had a thought that uh, that are just you know felt like we just needed to get on our knees before Him. He's a holy God, and He's worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor. Amen. Amen. He is, and I'm just so grateful for uh, for His love and also for uh, you guys for your commitment to Him. I I tell you, I don't know of a better um, a better present for any of us than to have people that are close to us who are first close to the Lord. I tell you, it makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the relationship. It makes all the difference in, in uh, personal attitudes. And uh, what a blessing it is because I got to tell you, there are times in life when I look in that mirror and I think, man, you need a little bit of work. Something happened to you over the years. And uh, maybe you've had that same feeling. Maybe you've looked at your spouse and said, wow, you look brand new like you never looked before. And, uh, and you really meant that as a sincere compliment, but they thought you were trying to make fun of them or something. I don't know if you've ever done that, but uh, I never did that. No, never, never. Sometimes things get worn out and they need to be retooled. They need to be refinished. They need to be restored to a place of beauty place of purpose and you know what I've discovered in life is that God takes all sorts of things to reshape us to renew us to to repurpose us sometimes he takes hard things to get us moving in a different direction sometimes he takes a loss of some kind maybe a loss of career or job or a loss of health or loss of a relationship or he takes loss sometimes to to move us to that place where 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 he's got us to where we will be that we will put on the 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 mantle of Christ you know when, when someone has a difficult time in their life it's not a time to preach it's a time to encourage it's a kind to sit with it's a kind to it's a time to uh, uh, just lend support and matter of fact I've found that when times are tough and somebody comes along preaching it probably does more to irritate than it does to heal but there is a time for everything under heaven the Bible says there's a time to laugh, there's a time to weep. There's a time to sow, there's a time to reap. There's a time for every activity under heaven, and there's also a time when we need to assess our lives and what's going on, and we need to be able to look on things in a way that un and understand that this is part of a grand plan that takes me into eternity that's not just about the here and now. And you know, I, I've been just so grateful for those seasons in my life when things have been moved in that direction to where I know that God is at work in spite of the challenge in my life. So, you know, I know that God has not given up on this world. And I know in the days ahead, there'll be days of great trial and great difficulty but I know that God will work through that to accomplish his perfect will and the good of those who love him I know this because of what the promise of God's word is that he is at work in all things for the good of those who love him 
who are called according to his purpose. And so as a believer in 2023, I have to believe that what's going on in our world today, that God has allowed it for a sovereign purpose and that one day that purpose will be fully known and realized and there will be a great joy in eternity, even though now uh, there is struggle. I'm also aware of the fact that, uh, that, that God is, is not done with this world, that God is in the process of fulfilling his purpose and will, and he will redo things. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that one day he will restore this world to the Edenic conditions that were so prior to the fall of man. And we're going to talk about that, and I'll be sharing a little bit more about that. It's during the millennial reign of Christ, and We'll kind of touch on that briefly this morning, but, but as we look at God's Word this morning, I want you to take your Bible and go to Revelation chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5, and I want you to think about this. There are some things that go from the junkyard to the showroom, and there are some people who go from the street to the stage. And you can look there, and there's a picture of some automobiles, and there's a motorcycle. I know you probably can't really see it very well, but in the bottom left-hand corner of those, that group of pictures, there's a motorcycle that's being restored. I think maybe it's an Indian. And then there's some cars. There's a, a Cutlass Supreme, I think, on the far right, and I think that's a Model T on, the, on the, 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 the left, top left. And then there's a guy that's homeless, and he's just he's down on his luck. He's in a bad place. And I think all of us can probably understand the value of restoration. And in Revelation chapter 5, we get a picture of Jesus Christ as the lion and the lamb who redeems and restores. And it's not an easy task. But this morning, as we look at that, we'll talk about what the Scripture reveals in Revelation chapter 5. So if you would, please stand with me. We're going to read a portion of this Scripture together. Revelation chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. John has seen this incredible vision of the throne of God. And in verse number 1 of chapter 5, he writes and says, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song 
saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Let's stop right there. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is instructive for our lives. Lord God, help us to understand how this applies to us and the truths that we can know bring us encouragement and strength for the journey you've set before us. Father, I want to pray right now for those who are watching online and those who are here right now, knowing, Lord God, that each of us is in a a different place in the race of our lives. Lord God, you've set the boundary of our habitation where we live. You've decided the time in which we live. And Lord God, you've done that with love and with purpose, and we give you thanks and thank you for your grace and the purpose that you've called each of us to. And so, Father, I pray today that we might understand what your will is for us in this moment, in this hour, that we might anchor to that will and that we might serve you with gladness. And, Father, that we might stand courageously for you in a season where there is great rebellion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. In chapter 4, we saw a vision of the Creator. Now comes the vision of God the Redeemer in chapter 5. We see the lion who conquers, and we see the lamb who has conquered through his death. And, and as we look at this, the lion is the lion of the tribe of Judah, which coincides with the prophecy given in Genesis chapter 49 that there would be a, a lion from the tribe of Judah, and that would be the Messiah. And here Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's also called the root of David. This is an understanding that Jesus was born as a man through the lineage of David, and we see that reflected in Matthew chapter 1. But what we realize here is that in Revelation chapter 5, we see the lion who conquers, but then we also see A lamb that is before the throne. That's an unlikely picture for a conqueror. However, the scripture describes the one who is the Messiah who comes as both lion and lamb. As we look at this passage this morning, I want you to understand that there are mysteries in life. There are things about life that happen, and we can't quite figure them out. We And truly, as we think about this now, the Lamb is, is there, and the Scripture tells us that the Lamb, which is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that He looks as though He is slain, and that in this passage of Scripture, the Bible tells us that it brought great sorrow to John because no one was worthy to unfold this scroll. Now, first of all, what was this scroll? Well, there's some different ideas about what it was, but what we know about this scroll is it contained a number of things. It contained the, uh, the events that would transpire in the future. It contained for us a picture of the unfolding of world history. 
as we look at the unfolding of this scroll and as we read through the book of Revelation and we see the, the seals broken, as we see the, the trumpets sounding, we see the, the vials of judgment poured out, what we see is we see an unfolding of human history as we approach the very end of this age. I have to tell you right now, we are somewhere in what many call the church age, but it is right it precedes the tribulation and the great tribulation. We are somewhere there, and, and you and I don't know exactly where we are, but I tell you, every day that I awake and every day I live in this world, I think to myself, how much longer, oh God, before you bring about the redemption and the deliverance of your people and your world? We are somewhere in that time frame of grace when God has opened up his heart and he's given people a chance to repent. And you might say, well, I wish I'd been born back in the 50s. Or you might say, I wish I wasn't born yet and I could live in the future. Well, guess what? God made that decision about you, so just you're stuck with it. I'm sorry. You know? Yeah, there's some things I'd love to go back to with the 50s. You know, we were talking about uh, life in the 50s, and, and actually I was born in the 60s, so I don't even know anything about the 50s, really. But, but I can remember many years ago just the simplicity of living in a world that we did not have cell phones. And oh my goodness, it seemed like my mind was a little bit freer. I was talking with uh, someone this past week about that, maybe one of my family members, and the fact that, you know, there was a season and a time in life when I didn't feel like my mind was constantly occupied with, you know, thoughts about things that are being presented to me, but now it's nonstop, and I have to work to find the solitude. I have a feeling some of you are glad for some solitude now after all the hullabaloo of, of, of Thanksgiving, right? Maybe you're sad, but the bottom line is that, you know, our minds are so full of things, and I can remember it felt like I just had more time for life. We go through life, and we are in this season for a purpose and a reason. And we cannot understand the mysteries of life. And really, when we look at this, and, and uh, it says, and the question is posed by the mighty angel, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And it says, no one in heaven on earth and under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. This is not a question about power. This is who is worthy to open the title deed of the earth. It contains, if you will, the history of humanity, the closing chapters. It contains for us the woes that are spoken of, that are associated with the wrath of the Lord and the, the day of the Lamb and all of that, the day of the Lord and, and those things. It, it contains evidence that this world right now that has been subject to the curse of sin and death. This world that is subject to powers in the spiritual realm that are evil, that one day this world itself will be set free. But we don't, we don't know the particulars about that. And, and it's interesting that nobody is worthy to open up that scroll to break the seals, and John is just weeping, and he is I mean, the word that's used here for him is the same word for, for weeping or grief that Peter had after Peter denied Christ. 
So it's a very vocal, it's a very outward, it's a very demonstrative weeping. And I thought to myself as I read this passage, I'd like, well, John, why are you weeping like that? What's wrong with you? You're in, you're in glory. But I think the reason that John is so upset here is because he knows that that scroll contains the purpose of God and the redemption of God and he sees how broken the world is and his heart is breaking because he longs for this world to be redeemed for people to know the peace that passes all understanding for people to be relieved of their guilt people live their lives with incredible guilt I know that you know that but you are God's people that are here particularly, and many of you who are watching online, you know the Lord, and you're worshiping with us, and that's why you're there. But the vast majority of people in this world live with an uneasy guilt in their mind that strikes them in the moments of quietness, and they have fear in their hearts. And those that tell you that they don't, one day they will. But people live with an incredible sense of guilt that rises to the top every now and then, People live with a, an uncertainty of the future and fear of death. And, and the reality is that John is broken because of that brokenness. But the good news is that the Lamb is capable of breaking those seals. And so as we look at this passage, let me just share with you the scroll itself was a rolled piece of parchment, uh, probably made of papyrus. And, and again, this is just thinking about the idea of a scroll. And uh, I mean, it's, it's in heaven, so you know, it's, it's made of something. But anyway, the scroll itself would be rolled up, and then, uh, and the seals would seal it so that in order for you to read everything that's in there, you had to break the seals. Oftentimes, the seal would be a piece of wax in Roman days with a, an imprint from a, a ring or some other inscription or some insignia of whomever that was. And, uh, and, and oftentimes, in, in the Roman uh, way, this scroll was developed in such a way so that if someone left a will and a testament, the executor or the person who was the recipient of that inheritance, they're the ones who were able to break the seal. And as I said, it contained, uh, it contained the, 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 uh, the history of humanity. It contains the woes. And, and so John is very concerned about this. But the good news is the lamb that was slain is able to reveal the secrets of the future. And here's what I want to just give you as a pastoral thought right now you have no idea what will happen this afternoon I mean you have maybe, maybe you have a vague idea but in reality anything could happen now we, we have to have some sense of direction and so yes we understand the point I'm making is that we really don't know what will happen in the future the mysteries of this world are with the Lord he knows those things and that's good because we can find comfort in that knowing that there's a God in heaven who understands who's promised good to us but the reality is only the Lord can reveal those things only the Lord can open up the eyes only the Lord can, can convey truth to you that you will understand in a real, a real way that makes a difference for all eternity. And so the good news here is that God has a plan to open up truth, and Jesus Christ is right at the center of it. The Bible tells us that 
this lamb that was slain restores men to God. Notice what it says in verse number 5. It says, John says, One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. And again, that's a historical reference to who the Messiah is. It speaks right of Jesus Christ. Notice that it says he has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And then look, if you will, at verse number 9. In verse number 9, it says that they sang a new song. And that word new there means fresh. Okay, that's the, the Greek meaning of this particular use of the word new means fresh. It was a fresh song. They sang a fresh song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You know, I find it kind of interesting that the lamb is a conqueror and that the lamb is slain. There's a couple of things about that. First of all, when John saw the lamb, there was evidence that the lamb had been dispatched. As a matter of fact, the word describes like the lamb was, was throat was slit. The lamb had died, and yet the lamb was alive. And he says, by your blood you ransomed people for God. In other words, he brought people back to God. He redeemed people through his blood. His blood was shed not just for our sins, but for the sins of the world, the scripture says. John says that in 1 John. And notice he says, from every tribe and language and people and nation. There are a lot of people out there that I would like to be like but then there are a lot of people out there I wouldn't want to be like. They come from some kooky cultures. They do some things a whole lot differently. But folks, if they love my Savior, my Lord, and they are worshiping Him, and they are serving Him, and He is their Savior and their Lord, then I need to love them. Let me just, let me just give you a pastoral point here. God did not save everybody so they could be just alike. If you're from English stock it's a good chance that you're a stiff upper lip and you're not very emotional at all. However, if you're from, you know, another background, you might be really loud and outdoor, out, out there and all that. And you know what? The bottom line is we're all different. But the fact is that God redeemed people from every tribe, every nation, every language group. He redeemed them for himself. They belong to him. And because they belong to him, I need to learn how to love them. You know, the reality is that, um, that there are a lot of people that are easy to love, and then there are a lot of people that are a little bit hard to love. Amen? But love is not always a fuzzy feeling. Love is about caring for someone and willing the best for them in spite of who they are. That's what God has called us to do. And I just, I think about this, God redeemed and restores. And the Bible tells us that no one else can do that but Christ. He did that for us. And the scripture says that this lamb, that he did that, that he redeemed. He's the sacrificial lamb, if you will. Revelation 5, 6, who was slain, but he is still alive. And he is you know, the, the, the Greek tense of that phrase in 5-6 that says he had been slain, it's in the aorist tense. And literally because he was slain and he, 
but he's also alive. His efficacious, his, his ability to save us is still in effect. He is the sacrificed lamb. Secondly, I want you to notice the Bible describes him as one who restores the entire created world. He is the lion and the lamb who rescues and restores the creation from sin, curse, the sin, the curse of sin, and evil. And though it is not specifically in here, I want you to, I want you to see what the, the Scripture tells us about the world that we live in. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, I think we even have a, a verse up there for you, Romans chapter 8, verse 21, that the creation itself has been subjected to bondage of sin. You wonder why things are so messed up? It's because the whole creation has been subjected to that. There's death there's violence, not just human violence, but in the natural realm. There are weeds. I wonder what it must have been like for Adam to work the garden and not have to worry about weeds. Man, wouldn't that have been wonderful? I tell you what, there's weeds all over the place now. You don't have to do anything, and those weeds are growing up, and you know what that's like in your life. And the Bible says there was a time when that was not so, but now it is so. And the Scripture says the whole creation has been struggling. I don't know really what all that means except that I know the whole creation has been subjected to the frustration of the results of sin in the world. I have a speculation that when God poured out His flood in the days of Noah that the men had got so corrupt that they corrupted the animal kingdom as well. And God snuffed out life from everything that had the breath of life in it. He put it down except for Noah and his immediate family, I guess because everything had gotten so bad then, God said, I can't stand it anymore, and it's going to be done. Not only has the creation been harmed because of sin, but, but there is also an active spiritual enemy that is actively involved in pursuing the destruction of people. 1 John chapter 5 tells us about this. And John says it like this. He says, We know that we are from God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Those are strong words. But every day that I live, I recognize more and more that Satan and his minions do not have power over God but God has allowed them to operate. If you'll recall, Jesus went into the wilderness after he was baptized, and Satan came to him and tempted him and said, I will give you the kingdoms of the world if you'll just bow down and worship me. I don't think Satan would have made that offer had it not been true. I do believe that he is at work through kings, countries, corporations, powers in this world. He is working to destroy. But one day the Bible says that that will all change. That he will be locked away so that he cannot tempt the world anymore. And I guess the highlight of this, and this is not, like I said, this is not particularly in here, but when you see the lion and the lamb and, and he restores and he redeems, it's not just about humanity, although that is that is crucial and that is vital. 
but it is also about nature itself. Look, if you will, at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. This is part of the prophecy of the millennial reign of Christ. This is when Jesus comes back to earth. He plants his feet. Uh, he, he has a throne in Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that he reigns from Jerusalem. And during that time, it is such a time of peace and prosperity. It describes what's going on in nature here. It says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Whoever heard of a wolf dwelling with a lamb? I mean, you know, the story of Little Red Riding Hood tells us the wolf is out to eat the weak. But in this case, there's been something miraculous that has happened that I think is, goes back to Edenic conditions. The wolf dwells with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. Man, won't that be great? I have a feeling there'll be no more fleas. And I have a feeling that if there's any mosquitoes, they'll, they won't bite you. They'll just be food for the birds. Well, wait a minute. Maybe they won't be. I don't know. I can't figure all this out. But what I do know is that when it comes to that moment when the Lord has brought redemption to this entire world, it will be a whole different ballgame. The Bible tells us that a child will play at the hole of a poisonous, I don't know if the snake will be poisonous then or not, but the child will be able to play at the hole of a snake. And the Bible tells us that every man will have an olive tree in his, uh, in his home. That means it'll be a time of great prosperity. See, in Revelation chapter 5, the lamb breaks the seals. And what we read from chapter 6 on is all about all of the woes and all of the judgments. And man, I tell you what, there's some bad things that happen. He breaks the first seal. And the angel says, come. And then a, 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 a white horse comes out that has a rider who has a bow, but he has no arrows. He is the Antichrist. He comes into this world and he deceives and he conquers by deceit. And then the angel says, come. And another horse comes out and it's bright red and the rider on it makes war. And he has the capacity to destroy people, to make war uninhibited. And it kills many, many people. And then a third horse comes out, and this is a black horse, and this represents, um, uh, excuse me, this is the horse that, that is black, and it has scales, and it represents famine. And anytime there's war, there's also famine somewhere. After that happens, people have scarcity. And then the next seal is broken, and the Bible says another horse comes out, and this is the horse of death. And, 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 you know, you look through Revelation, and it looks terrible because all of these bad things are happening, and they are bad, and they are challenging. However, God's purpose is advancing, and He's moving us toward that millennial reign. I hope and pray that we get raptured out before all these things happen. That's my desire. I believe that, but I also know that it's possible that for some... Uh, for God's people, that we may have to endure a season of that. I, but I, I think we're going to be gone. But I'm just being honest that, you know, even if we have to endure, we need to keep in mind God is doing what He needs to do to bring this world to a place of rest. Anybody in here ever get spanked as a kid? <laughs> You know, in some places they say you should never spank your children. You know what happens in those places? They have a bunch of spoiled brats that never know how to deal with uh, what things they, when they can't get things the way they want to. 
the Bible says if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Now, I'm not advocating that you do something, you know, that you shouldn't do that's illegal, but I'm advocating that discipline is a good, good thing, and God is bringing things to a change here now. And God's people may have to suffer. Well, the Bible tells us that God will, he's, on the, he's in the process of moving us to that place of millennial reign and glory, and it, it will happen, but there's some things that are going to happen. There's going to be a lot of laments. So God restores, the Lamb rescues and restores creation from the curse of sin and evil. He restores the created order. He reclaims the world, so to speak. He, he rests it from Satan, because, who has got a chance now to, to thrive because of, uh, because of the sin of man. But the bottom line is the curse of sin and the tyranny of Satan will be wiped out when the Lamb begins to break the seals and the purpose of God unfurls. There's some more things here about the Lamb that I want you to see. First of all, uh, the Lamb, he, he rules. He is a sovereign ruler. Notice what it says about the Lamb in this passage, and I'm just going to kind of walk down this. Notice that, um, that the, the, the Bible say that he is around the throne. Notice in verse 6 it says, Between the throne of the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though he had been slain. He is right there at the center. He's at the center of this throne. Now we can't quite understand and, and, make the, and, and understand exactly how that looks to us, but the lamb is right there in the middle. And notice that it says something else about this lamb. This lamb, not only had he been slain, but he has seven horns and seven eyes. Horns represent power in the Bible. And so what this tells, and seven is a sacred number. So what this means is that the Lamb, He is divine and He is all powerful and He is all sufficient for all things. It's Jesus Christ. He is sufficient in your life for your life. If you don't have Him in your life, then you need Him in your life. He can make the difference in your life. And if you truly seek him and submit yourself to his will in your life he will be that friend that is closer than a brother and he will be the one with whom you know he is going to do more things in you than you could ever imagine he will supply all you need he's there for you he is the lamb who is divine and sovereign he's got all-powerful. Notice that he says he has seven eyes. The eyes represent his awareness, his knowledge. He is, he is, uh, they also represent the Holy Spirit, and he sends his Holy Spirit all over the world. That's why we can say that Christ is, that Jesus is everywhere. He is omnipresent because his Spirit is there. The physical Jesus Christ who was born is right now in glory, but his Spirit is right here with us. He is with us right now. And because it mentions the seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. He sees clearly. He sees the word that you will speak when it is in your heart and mind. He sees the choice that you will make a year from now. He knows everything about you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Help me, Lord, my hairs are falling out. He knows the joys. He knows your sorrows. He knows everything about you, and He knows everything about everything. 
And this is the Lamb, the Lamb who was slain, who is all-powerful. I think probably for me the most wonderful, one of the most wonderful things about the Lamb that is listed here is He is divine. Notice that he goes and he takes the scroll from the one who is seated on the throne. And the word that's used there in that passage, it indicates that he takes it. It's not, it's in an open, it's, it's as if there's a palm that's open with the scroll on it. And he goes and he takes it. And you know what happens when, when he goes and takes it? Let me just read this to you. This is, this is wonderful. Look with me, if you will, at verse number 7. Speaking of the Lamb now. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. First of all, notice then that the Lamb and the one seated on the throne are of the same accord. There, and, and this is important because we know that Jesus is God and God is seated on the throne and the Lamb is Jesus and it's about the Trinity. So there is complete agreement between the Father and the Son here. But then I want you to notice what happens when he goes and he takes the scroll. In verse number 8, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, they fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, a fresh song. Worthy are you to take the scroll to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, and so forth and so on. And here's the point I'm trying to make. When you know Christ in a personal, life-giving way, He puts a song in your heart. So, Have you ever been in one of those places where something happened and you just started chuckling and laughing and maybe you began to sing a little bit? See, that's what happens when a person has an experience with the Lord. Not necessarily that you, that, you, that, you, that you can sing or carry a tune, but the bottom line is there is such a joy and a freedom in the heart when you experience the mercy and the grace of the Lamb who was slain for your sin. I hope and pray that I continue to relive those moments in my life I can tell you that when I got saved, there was a peace that settled over me. I can tell you that when I, when I submitted to lordship, when I was dealing with some things as a young man, and I surrendered afresh and anew to him, there was a peace, there was a joy, there was a love. I can just tell you that sometimes, because of the mercies of God, I just want to sing a song. I hope you've had that experience. You can. You can have that experience. And probably one of the most wonderful things to me about this lamb who was slain is that he brings mercy and grace. He is sovereign ruler, yes. But he is also one who is recognized as being worthy, not because of his great power, although he does have great power. But notice in the Bible, it says this over and over again. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And then down to to verse number 12. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And every creature, the Bible, it says, will give praise to Him. Why? Not just because of His great power, but because He was slain. He shed His blood. Because people are sinful. And this world needs to be redeemed. I hope and pray that... uh, 
that you've understood that and that that's made a difference in your life. It's made a difference in my life. I got to tell you, for those who struggle with addictions, you need the Lord. I got to tell you that those who struggle with relationship difficulties, you need the Lord. I got to tell you, some of you that are struggling with yourselves saying, Why am I such an idiot? You need the Lord. I got to tell you something. He makes the difference, and He is a sovereign, holy God, and we will see, man, He unleashes. He unleashes the wrath of God, but He is, remember this, He is the one who gave His blood so that we might be redeemed, restored, becoming that old, worn-out, person who's struggling with things in their life becoming that new person. I have one last one last slide I want you to see and, and this is this is you know I think God wants to do this for all of us. The very last slide there. That guy right there on the left, I don't know him, but he is representative on Wikipedia of a homeless person. A person who's living on the street. You can't see it, but there's a shopping cart turned upside down there beside him. And I think about all these people in this world that are like that. They don't have an eternal home. They are just here, and they are enduring, and they are suffering, and they are just getting by, and it is a challenge. But then there are some of us who are here, and we are getting by, but there's a fire in our hearts. There's a joy. There's a relief. There's a peace. That comes from the lamb, the lion and the lamb. On the right, there's a picture of Pierce Brosnan. He, you know who he was. He, he was, uh, I guess he still is a famous actor. I guess maybe that was taken when he was a little bit younger. And, and I really, it's not that I particularly like him, although I think he's a great actor, but I just found somebody that was dressed up and looking good. From a spiritual sense, let's just kind of make the analogy. God does a work of grace in our lives and we transform ourselves from being a homeless, dirty, unkept creature to someone who is cleaned up with a smile on their face. The lion and the lamb, he redeems, he restores, and he is worthy of all glory and honor. Our praise team is going to come out now, or at least some of them are, and they're going to lead us in a time of worship. And I just want to make the appeal to you today before you leave that if there's something in your life that needs to be turned over to the Lord, maybe there's a decision that you've been struggling with, and you, you, you have an idea, you know what the Lord wants, but you're thinking, man, I don't know if I can do that. Man, if you know what God wants, you will not find peace and rest until you say, yes, Lord. Maybe there's someone today who's never confessed Christ. Maybe, you've had a, maybe you're a secret believer and you've never confessed Christ. Well, you know what? This is the time to confess Him. Maybe today you're one of those folks that just needs more understanding and more knowledge. And, and you, you've got a, an ache in your heart. You can't quite define it, but you know that you need something. And you might be a believer and you just need comfort from the Lord. Maybe you're just someone who's searching. We want to help you here. We're going to have this time of worship. Our pa Pastor Sean is going to lead us in this, and Pastor Mark and the praise team, and 
you know, as you sing this song, as this last song of worship, I pray that worship for you will not just be something you're singing about, but it'll be something that is followed up on with obedience and service to the Lamb, the Lamb of God who gave his life for you. There's a day coming, and it's almost here when everything will proceed. I hope you're ready for his return. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Now, Lord God, guide and direct our hearts. Help us to decide for you in this moment, either privately or publicly, however you call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about First Baptist Church of Wildwood and our ministries, you can go to our website, fbcwildwood.org, our Facebook page, First Baptist Church of Wildwood, or our Instagram page, FB Wildwood. Have a great Jesus-filled day.